you know, we've talked a lot about this in between media this season. There's going to be curveballs coming your way. Hate's a strong word. I dislike Kirk Cousins more than probably any other quarterback. In the I get a little bit of that rookie-itis, you know? I would have said, I would love to know what you're Even though I'm straight, I'm still stuck between an interpretation, what it all means. Can I make a difference or something different? My mind in prison, then I saw the vision. Played the field, it's no competition. Found success through the repetition. If it's impossible, stick to the mission. I'm just cruising through on my way to get it. I found myself somewhere in between. Yeah, I found myself somewhere in between. Tuesday, September 28th. This is the In Between Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Seth Woolcock. Thankful to be here on a Tuesday evening with two of my best friends, Scott Rainier and Gary Zamaripa, joining us from lovely Kansas City. Gary, Scott, how are you gentlemen doing tonight? I'm doing really good. Uh, that all right, all right, all right. Had some nice Matthew McConaughey vibes to it, Seth. I'm good, man. We got a nice dose of rain in Seattle over the weekend, which we really needed. It was nice to nice to see it rain again. Had a terrible week with my fantasy teams, but it was another really exciting weekend of football. So ready for week four. Absolutely, guys. We do have a packed show for everyone today. We're going to do the temperature check segment once again, take the pulse of the league, um, wrap it back up with some short things, sleepers of the week. Going to go to Gary for some back in the day. Uh, he's going to give us a little bit of advice on what we can do with these rookie quarterbacks and how that's going to shake out moving forward. We're also going to take your questions along the way and we'll, of course, round it out with some weekly advice. Guys, super thankful to be here with you today. Um, if you're tuning in for the first time, uh, if you're on our YouTube, if you can go ahead and hit that subscribe button, we'd really appreciate that. If you want to hear more from us, if this isn't enough for you, um, you can check us out at inbetweenmedia.com. Guys, we have everything over there from columns, our podcast. We have some YouTube series. Scott has another edition of his pulp fantasy where he uh, combines a little bit of any anything in pop culture, movies, TV shows, with fantasy football, with NFL moments. It's a great watch. Um, so if you guys follow along, we will be here all season long. We're thankful for your viewership. Um, guys, anything anything you want to discuss before we get into it? Um, you know, I, I'm thinking a little bit about days and confused after after uh, Gary reminded me of my, my guy Matthew. Um, I'm ready to get into it. Let's do some yeah, rapid fire. I'm ready to get into it. We got a pretty packed show. Um, yeah, let's let's just go for it. All right, guys, we are going to get into our first segment of the day, and that is going to be temperature check. Temperature check. That's really spicy. Holy All right, guys, since the last time we've talked, a lot has happened in the NFL um, from a brutal injury on Thursday night to what was kind of a, a crapshoot of a game here on Monday night with the Eagles and the Cowboys. 
Um, big takeaways here. I, I want to do a little bit of a rookie roundup. We talked a lot about these rookies heading into the season. We haven't talked about them much lately. Um, start with our guy, Najee Harris. Obviously, the, the rookie 101 pick in most dynasty leagues coming into uh, this year. Right now, after a slow start, uh, week week three, he kind of got heated up a little bit. Uh, a, a massive 14 receptions. Yes, 14 receptions on 19 targets. We saw Juju Smith-Schuster go down to injury on this. Deontay Johnson was already out to injury as well. So uh, shakes things up for the Steelers. They obviously lose to the Bengals at Heinz Field. Pretty unprecedented loss to the team. Um, heard a couple of people shouting out on Twitter, you know, this might be the dark days of Pittsburgh football. But Najee Harris, he is there. He he led he led the league this year or this last week with touches, and uh, it looks like that's what we're gonna get from him moving forward. Uh, Scott, starting with you, man. Like like, where are we on Najee Harris? Is this the real deal? Because um, to me, he looks like a guy who could be a strong RB one moving forward with this type of volume. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely well on Najee Harris. Um, you know. I mean, his, his, his actual rushing hasn't been very efficient. I mean, of the top 36 running backs currently after, after three weeks, he's 35th in yards per carry with 3.08. The only person he's ahead of is Kenyon Drake. However, um, he's leading in targets, receptions, snap percentage, and opportunity share. He's got 95-plus percent snap percentage. I mean, he does not come off the field. And while 19 targets for in 14 receptions is, is a bit of a fluke, even if you cut that in half, he's still got 21, 22 fantasy points on the week in PPR. So, and I mean, he's only scored one touchdown. I mean, the Steelers are bound to at least get some DP, DPIs in the end zone, set up first and goal from the one, and Najee gets some touchdowns that way. I just, he's, I think he's six overall right now with one touchdown on the year. I mean, he's, to me, even though the, the team looks pretty bad, I have no idea how the Bills lost to the Steelers in week one. Um, but he's just, I mean, he doesn't come off the field. He he basically is their offense right now with the way Ben Roethlisberger is looking. So, I mean, I'm, I'm locked. The, the, the few games I did win this week uh, and with my teams, uh, a few of them were definitely because of Najee Harris. How about you, Gary? Well, for me, I have him actually as a medium and and – Everything you said, I, I liked what you said, but I was I was back to the less than three yard, right around three yards per carry. He, he hasn't even been getting a lot of opportunity, and really up till now he's been taking. You know, I think besides this, what is a fourteen catch week week yeah. three? He only had like one and maybe three or four on the other two weeks. So they're ramping him up. That said, he is in all my lineups. He's blocked in. I'm not taking him out. I have him in Scott fish. I mean, he's, he's, I'm going with him. I'm just hoping that they keep the receptions going because that's what's, that's what's making all of his, he's getting all his points through the, through his catches. And I'd like to see some more touchdowns too. Like you said, Scott. So it's, there's the arrows pointing up for the guy. I just, I I'm just not looking at him as a slam dunk for, for well done. Gary, would you be looking as it, at this as a sell-high opportunity to maybe get a stronger RB1, maybe someone like a Dalvin Cook? I know you're still high on Christian McCaffrey despite the injury. Someone like that or like an Aaron Jones maybe? Wow, yeah, that'd be a tough – Aaron Jones would be – that would be – if I got Aaron Jones straight up, I would have to – I'd have to think about that one really hard. You know, I think I might I might go that way and then probably end up kicking myself like week eight when he's, you know, leading the NFL and and, and everything else. But yeah, I, I'm I would I would trade him for that. Guys, we'll see how it plays out with Najee Harris. 
I'm excited for the pass catching opportunity, like you guys said, but the line is atrocious. Ben does not look like himself right now. Hopefully we see Juju and Deontay Johnson back out there. I think that helps the entire offense elevate. Mike Tomlin did say that they were supposed to practice on Wednesday. So stay tuned to the beat reporters. Um, they'll, they'll keep you updated down there in, in the Steel City. M- moving forward, guys, Jamar Chase in the same game goes bonanzas. Uh, two TDs for him. He has four in just three weeks. Right now, uh, wide receiver 11, guys. PPR wide receiver 11. We talked about this coming in, in, into the year, that if there was one rookie who had the opportunity to be a wide receiver one, it was Jamar Chase. Obviously, a lot of people were scared off from him early in the preseason with the drops. Uh, you know, that, that's a long way away at this point right now, guys. But are, are you seeing this as a sell-high opportunity? Because he has a 30-plus yard touchdown in all three of his first games. He's the only person to ever do that in his career. So it's definitely unprecedented what we're seeing right now. But so was Justin Jefferson just a year ago. I, I mean, me personally, I'm I'm probably not selling high on a guy like Jamar Chase in redraft. I want to see where this thing goes with him. He kind of fell in uh, ADP and in my in my oh, opinion, yeah. incre- increased in value at the exact right time when people were drafting yes. in redraft. Um, I didn't get enough of him personally, but I, I mean, I get it. He's had some long touchdowns, and you know that that stat is pretty amazing in his first three games as a rookie. But that's that's kind of his deal. He's I mean, he's a he's an explosive wide receiver. Um, you know, his I mean, and you could you know, T Higgins was out this past game. But he had his best game yardage-wise in week one with T. Higgins right there. Um, Eight of his 11 catches have been for first downs. Burrow looks his way. Um, Like you said, you know, he's proved all the people that doubted him. He hadn't played football in a year, and he was sluggish in the preseason. I think that was shouldn't have come as some big shock, but it had people panicking. I'm 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 riding with him. I mean, I he has the he has the ceiling to be a wide receiver one overall at the end of the season. But, I mean, for me, he's a locked and loaded wide receiver, too. So I'm, I'm medium well on, on Chase, I'd say. I kind of go – I'm, I'm kind of well on on him. He was my number two um, prospect coming into, you know, as, as far as rookies overall. And he's not disappointing. And, and like Scott was saying, he he was having those drops, and they were talking about the, the lines on the football weren't the same and all that stuff right. they were saying right when we were all drafting, making everybody hesitate a little bit and, re, and re, you know, not remember what – and who he was and is. So yeah, I'm, I'm not selling high on him either. I'm plugging him into my lineups, the places I have him and I'm just going to leave him there and see what happens. And like Scott was saying, just ride it out. You know, this could be another Justin Jefferson, you know, rookie campaign and I want to be part of it. I don't see who else I'd want to sell him for big play upside. I mean, it's, he's got it all. The, the, the only counter argument, I think I am with you guys. I want to ride it out. I was one of those fortunate people who I had my home league draft very late and very competitive league, but I was able to get him in, in the seventh round just because of the ADP fall. With, with that being said, though, I, I, he is only on pace for 85 targets right now. So, you know, you know they're, they're going to be big plays. He, he's probably has a chance to lead, lead the league in yards per reception. So that's intriguing for sure. Um, I'm going to throw a couple names out there. Just, just let me know, like, w- would you do Jamar Chase or this player? Um Robert Woods. Jamar Chase. At this point, Jamar Chase, yeah. Okay. Allen Robinson. Definitely at this point, (laughs) Jamar Chase. That's a really tough one. I'm really trying to avoid the 
you know, extreme recency bias with Allen Robinson, just a really bad start to the season. The quarterback situation's terrible right now. But I, I think I'm I think I'm sticking with Allen Robinson there. Guys, I want to move forward with, with some rapid fire on some recent rookie uh, action. What's been happening? Uh, Kyle Pitts, he's someone who has not lived up to his ADP right now, it looks like. Um, he is on pace for 96 targets. That's a plus. But he's only tight end 15 right now in a bad Atlanta offense. Is anyone targeting Kyle Pitts right now as a buy low? I mean, this is probably the cheapest you're going to get him. It's probably the cheapest you're going to get him, and I would certainly buy low on him. But I don't think it's been—I don't think there's been enough games yet to where the people that have him on their roster are going to sell him low. Exactly. Like he's still Kyle Pitts. You can point at some of the peripherals with with him that haven't led to fantasy points, but are encouraging. Um, I mean, the problem in Atlanta is just Matt Ryan is not—he is not off to a good start. He's pulling down Calvin Ridley's value. Wide receiver 27 so far, Calvin Ridley. So I would certainly like to buy low, but I don't think you can. It's almost like the Rule 11. Gary, do you believe in the Rule 11? We, we heard about this last year. Like For a lot of Matt Ryan's career, whenever Julio Jones has been off the field within the last four or five years, they, he has not been the same quarterback. Do you think that's what we're seeing with Matt Ryan? And if so, are you taking it as an opportunity to maybe buy low on Kyle Pitts? Yeah, I don't know. That's a weird thing. Um but it seems like it kind of works out more times than it doesn't on him, but it could just be Matt Ryan is just getting a little bit older. And I don't know. Um, I would, I buy, I, I agree with what Scott said. I would definitely buy low on pits, but I don't think anyone's going to sell low on him, at least at this point. Now a game or two more, yeah. you know, maybe you get some jittery, jittery um, <laughs> managers, yeah. but you know, <laughs> as of now, I think everyone's still thinking, Hey, my, you know, he's still going to break out. We just got to give him some time. Okay. Okay. Patient owners. That's what we're forecasting here, guys. Um, want, want to go to a pair of wide receivers, um, Devonta Smith, Rondo Moore, both very disappointing uh, week, week threes for him, guys. Wide receiver 55 now for Smith after a great week one. He's had two very subpar uh, performances since then. Tough, tough road ahead for the Eagles as well. Kansas City, Carolina, Tampa Bay, uh, th- three-game stretch there. That, that's kind of a doozy when you think of people who could, could be in those secondaries ready to pick off Jalen Hurts like we saw uh, the Cowboys do a couple times last night. Um, Devonta Smith, Rondale Moore. I mean, everything went right for him in week two, comes back in, in week three, two targets, two catches, one yard. Um, you know, did have a red zone opportunity. That was nice to see, but it, it really was the A.J. Green show and the Christian Kirk show once again. Rondale didn't see much of the field. Kind of a confusing situation in Arizona and in Philadelphia right now, where it seems like other than the tight ends, you don't really know who to roll out. Are you guys buying low on either one of these, Gary? I am not. Um, Devon, I like Devonte Smith coming in. Um, just too much going on in Philadelphia there to, to think that he could, that, I mean, he could do it, but to think that I wouldn't, you know, sell assets to, um, to bring him onto my yeah. team. Um, and Rondell Moore, I love him too. I, I have, I, yeah, I was uh, all over him, all in his rookie drafts, but there's just a lot of competition out there in Arizona. And it seems like there's, you know, it's going to be Christian Kirk with the big week this week. And then next week it's going to be Rondell Moore. And then, you know, then Hopkins is still there. So that, that one's kind of, it seems like there's too many mouths to feed there. And, and, and Kyler Murray is a big spoon, so he could feed a lot of mouths, but I, I, yeah, if I had him, I'm going to keep 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 monitoring, but I don't think I'm not going to actively go look for to acquire yeah. him. Yeah, I'm. Uh, 
if I if I were going to pick one of these to buy low on, I'd probably choose Rondell Moore over Smith. Um, and partially that's due to he has a better quarterback, so I think he has a better outlook. Um, what happened with Devonta Smith is, you know, and what happened with seemingly the whole Eagles team is they played a terrible Atlanta defense in week one and smashed. And then everybody was early victory lapping. Oh, Jalen Hurts is also a really good passer, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, weeks two and three, he's sub 60% completion percentage and their offense has done nothing. So I'm not, you know, with any of these guys, if I have, if I have a fluid bench spot and somebody's willing to sell low, I, I have no problem stashing these types of players on my bench. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's, if a couple more bad games in redraft, you, you might be able to get them off the waiver wire. You know, people panic and people move on. Uh, so, you know, I'm not spending a lot on either of these players, but if I had to choose one, it's probably Rondell Moore. Um, I just think he's just in a better offense, you know, still earning, still earning his, his stripes in that offense. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I like his rest of season outlook better. That's completely understandable. Kind of the Arizona offense a little bit reminds me of the Tampa Bay offense. A lot of mouths to feed. Again, big spoon. Like like you compared him to a, a big spoon, Gary. I think of him as a ladle at this point. You know, <laughs> For sure. I mean, whoever has the game, whether it's going to be A.J. Green or whether it's going to be Christian Kirk or Rondale, like, like they're going to have a good game. You know, 20-plus points is definitely within the ceiling. Um, but we haven't really seen Nuke, Nuke Hopkins do pretty too well. Definitely been banged up a little bit early in the season. So, you know, I, I think there's more fantasy points coming his way later on. So definitely, like you guys said, I, I think it's a situation where moderate, monitoring. I think Rondale, if you need a, a flex, you know, high ceiling, low floor, that's your type of guy. Um, but, yes, the, the Smith situation, it's hard to kind of wrap our heads around right now. Two rushing attempts for Miles Sanders yesterday. So, uh, you know, that was just a head scratcher for Nick Sirianni, rookie head coach there. Can I add one one thing in this? And it's kind of a side point. We do have to be careful when we're, when we're looking ahead at, at matchups, because currently after three weeks, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are 32nd in the league against fantasy wide receivers. And the Kansas City Chiefs are 27th. Right. Now, it's, it's early. You know, I don't think either of those defenses are that bad. But who would have thought Carolina would be the tough one out of those three looking forward? Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, Tampa Bay has been able – you can pass on Tampa Bay. So, I'm, I'm actually pretty curious to see how the Eagles do in, in, in these upcoming games where other teams have had success passing the football. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great point there, Scott. Moving forward to a pair of rookie running backs, Javante Williams, Michael Carter, both been – I mean, they've been okay. They've been okay so far. Uh, the, the North Carolina duo down there. Looks like Javante Williams, he is in a 50-50 split right now. He's RB40 in PPR leagues. His backfield mate, Melvin Gordon, has found the end zone a little more. It's been a little more productive there. Um, the veteran has. He's RB13. So, you know, definitely people got Melvin Gordon at a big discount so far this season. I don't know how many people have been rolling him out into their lineup. Javante Williams, he, he did fumble once again last week um, in a red zone opportunity. So, so that was unfortunate. But, guys, with him, Michael Carter as well for the Jets, he seems to be in a 50-50 split now. Uh, Tevin Coleman seems to act the equation in New York. And now it seems to be Michael Carter and Ty Johnson for the likings of it, but you know, hasn't led to much fantasy success. He's top double digit points just once here in week two guys. Are, are you interested at all in, I mean, I, I think if you have both these guys, you kind of have to stash them right now. I don't think you can sell them, but do you have any hope? Is there any hope that there's fantasy relevance for these guys? Like 
Michael Carter's right now someone who's hanging on the end of benches who people might be considering cutting, especially in a 10-team league. He might be already on waivers. Yeah, this is a similar answer for me here is I am absolutely uh, willing to buy low on Javante Williams. And the reason being is this is one of those situations where leading into the year, we thought, you know, he'll start off in a timeshare with Melvin Gordon. That's what we all thought. And eventually over the course of the season, he'll get more use. And, you know, if Melvin Gordon gets hurt, he can be a league winner. It's been a 55-45 split in Gordon's favor so far. So it's kind of playing out how everybody thought it was going to. So I don't necessarily see where the big panic is, other than a little bit higher expectations with Williams' ADP. But I still have high hopes for Williams in Denver. They run they run the ball a lot. Um, and so I, I'm all over Williams uh, if, if I can get him at the right price. Carter, I'm worried about. I know IBT's been team Carter all summer. But I'm just, you know, same kind, same kind of deal. I don't really know what we all expected with the Jets' offense with the rookie quarterback. But he's probably going to end up on waivers pretty soon unless he, you know, unless he scores a touchdown or, or provides something. So I'm, I'm keeping him if I have him, but I'm not actively trying to get him. So for me, um, that Jets offense is abysmal. He didn't even get a chance this last week. They were, I mean, they, the Broncos do have a pretty good defense and, and so we got to give, you know, props to them, but he had no chance and, and, and Ty Johnson didn't either. I mean, he, he was in, he was involved a little bit in the passing game, but it was like, they didn't get the opportunity and, and Zach Wilson was running for his life and it was just an embarrassment for them. So I'm definitely not trying to acquire Michael Carter. If I have him, I'll keep him like Scott was just saying, but if there's someone comes up, I, you know, I wouldn't hesitate to cut him in, in a redraft league. Um, as far as Javante Williams, that was my all in on, on the, the, pod that we did for that and i'm i don't feel any differently he was um splitting 50 50 like we talked about he was ahead on yards last week and this week he wasn't and then he did have that fumble on like the one yard line which is that'll get you in the doghouse for sure i mean i i mentioned he was going to get some playing time because he was a good blocker but if you even if you're a good blocker if you're fumbling the ball that coaches put you on the bench and that so so right now i think it, it would be a good buy low for him. If you were, if you did believe in him, like yeah. I do, if yeah. I had a chance to get him, the, I would work on that because I'm thinking by eventually something's going to happen. Gordon's going to get hurt. There's going to be something because he gets hurt all the time and he misses games every year, which whatever I mean, but I, I just, I'm a Javante believer and I'm going to stand behind him. I like that. I, I like that buy low opportunity on Javante Williams. I think that's smart guys. Melvin Gordon, definitely outplaying his shoes a little bit here right now. Uh, Michael Carter, like you, like you said, I'm, I'm probably also, you know, I'm rostering him. It, it's, it's tough to see right now. He hasn't been very productive overall, but the opportunity is there. Like that's something I want to keep in mind here is he has been the starter every week rolling out there. They, they set him up for a couple screen passes last week. They just didn't hit. Um, Makai Becton, the loss there is really being felt. So hopefully they can figure out this offensive line situation. I think everything starts with there. Because we know we know what Robert Sala wants to do. He wants to run that zone zone run scheme like his you know his guy Kyle Shanahan. So I, I, I think we might we might see that again if if the offensive line can improve. But you know holding out hope for those guys. Um, guys, I do want to touch on just a little bit of news before we move on into uh, Week Four predictions here. Um, CMC goes down. Christian McCaffrey, our guy, number one overall consensus pick here. Um, in August, goes down in week three, Thursday night game to a hamstring injury, immediately goes into the blue tent, rolled out, 
Luckily, he's not going to be on IR, Matt Rule says. That's not the plan for him. They're thinking they can get him back in three weeks or less. We heard something similar last year too, guys. Um, again, different injury, totally different situation. But I am I, I am a little concerned. Maybe if I'm a Christian McCaffrey owner, Chuba Hubbard comes in, he filled in okay. Um, didn't look great by any means. Dropped a couple passes, um, went backwards a couple times, but – 10.9 PPR points. We know the volume is going to be there. Obviously, ex-Denver Bronco Royce Freeman will be in the picture as well. Guys, right now, though, like I, I think if I own high waiver priority in a league or any amount of fab, though, I think we kind of have to be going at Chuba. Just, you know, what if? What if Chuba Hubbard is, you know, half decent? And what if Christian McCaffrey either comes back and gets injured again? or misses more time. I mean, Mike Davis was an RB1 in this offense. Is Chuba Hubbard Mike Davis at this point? I'm not sure. We haven't seen enough of him, but he was a pretty good running back in college, um, especially early on in his career. So guys, I, I, I'm definitely I'm definitely well on uh, Chuba Hubbard, spending that fab on him. Are, are, are you guys like, I, 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 I've, I've said, Scott, you've probably heard me on here and Gary, like, I've been very conservative with fab and waiver priority up to this point in the season. I wasn't going after guys like Marquez Callaway and even Elijah Mitchell's maybe as much as everyone else is. But I mean, I, I think now if you have it, now is the time to spend. Yeah. I mean, the way I look at it with Chuba Hubbard, I mean, it'd be great if when we're all faced with these decisions of how much fab to spend and, you know, how long is Hubbard going to actually be the guy? How long is CMC out? You know, those when a when a running back or somebody goes down with a season-ending injury and it's just like a slam dunk, yeah, I pick up his backup, I spend all my fab. It'd be great if it was that easy of a decision all the time. It's just not. So you have to you have to bring in the risk the risk factor of how much you're willing to spend on a guy that might not you know might not smash for more than a few weeks, if that. I still think he's worth a chunk of your fab. I think he's worth your your waiver priority because. We don't know how long CMC's out. I mean, they did say it's a less than grade one hamstring strain. Yeah. So it doesn't sound super serious. They might just be, be being very conservative with him. But, you know, that might scare them into not giving CMC, you know, 98% of the touches on the team. Yeah, once that's, he comes back. that's the, other, that's the um, other part of it. Exactly. You know, so I think, you know, I think it's just one of those situations where, yeah, there's risk, you know, just like there was with Elijah Mitchell. But... Sometimes you just have to take that risk. Now I'm not I'm not blowing all my fab on him. You know what I mean? Like I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm not gonna deplete my entire funds on Chuba Hubbard, but you know, 30, 40 ish percent, I'd go that high. Would you use the number one waiver claim? I, I think I would, yes. I mean it would depend a little bit on my on my construction. Like, right, right. You know, if if I'm the CMC owner, obviously. Um, but if if you know if I'm stacked at running back, I might save it. But other than that, I probably am. I mean, you know, it can it can it can it can bite you in the ass holding on to that waiver claim and never using it. You know, so I mean, so yeah, I, I, I would. I would definitely use my number one waiver claim for him right now. But I don't know if I'd blow I think there's people that were are willing to spend more fab on him than I am. And and it just seems like you had mentioned Elijah Mitchell, you mentioned uh, Callaway. All these guys at the time was like, wow, yeah, yeah, we gotta, 
you know, we got to double down on this guy. And then there's going to be a guy like that probably every week or every other week or something. And I want to make sure that, and I'm, I'm a little more conservative anyway, but I want to make sure that I can hang on and I do have the resources where maybe there's someone that I really like that I've liked as a rookie from, from years ago or whatever that comes up and I have the chance to, to have the, the firepower to go ahead and acquire them. I mean, I don't know. You don't want to finish the year with a hundred dollars out of a hundred of fat yeah. either. You know, I mean, you got to, you yeah. know, you got to spend some of it, but yeah. I just think others was willing to spend more. I mean, we saw people spend a hundred percent on Mitchell, just whatever last week I saw that in some chats. So um, I, I'm not willing to do that. I yeah. like him good enough, you know, but I, I don't know. You never know what happens. You know, maybe Royce Freeman comes in and starts getting carries. I mean, it, the last thing we expect is usually the first thing that happens. So um, I would think you were able to get Royce Freeman at a giant discount and then cross your fingers. Um, like Scott was mentioning, if you are the the McCaffrey manager, then, yeah, you want to go a little more. You got to be a little more aggressive to get the backup yeah. because you need to, you know, fill a, a roster spot every week. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think we could see um, maybe Chuba work into kind of a, a, a Tony Pollard light situation where he's playing some of the snaps, has a little bit of a fantasy relevance, maybe not a lot of standalone value, but a desperation flex maybe if Christian McCaffrey comes back. Because this this team does have playoff as, aspirations, guys. So something to keep in mind. Um, guys, we do have a question from our guy JT86TN uh, on YouTube. I did want to address this. What do you all think about this trade? I would give up Christian McCaffrey and Amari Cooper for Alvin Kamara and CeeDee Lamb. So this is interesting. Standard scoring changes everything, I think, with this. Um, any initial thoughts from either of you if you would do that trade? So my first thought is both of those running backs are pass-catching guys. So that standard scoring kind of wipes that out. Um, Cooper is having the career season and and who knows what's going to happen. But we talked about earlier CD is he's got that kind of upside as well. And so I'm, I'm going with the Kamara CD side because Kamara as right now is not injured and CMC we know is going to miss at least what they say, two or three games. So yeah. for me, that's the, the tiebreaker. It's, it's, it's close enough to, to give us some thought, but that's what, that's what I think. Okay. Scott. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. I think, you know, if we were talking about potentially a running back that wasn't a pass catcher and a running back that was, that the standard scoring would have more of an influence. But the, the standard scoring kind of, it just, it kind of cancels itself out in a way with CMC and Kamara. I, I agree. I like CD better than Cooper and Kamara is healthy right now. Um, even though that Saints offense has not been consistent, I'm probably going to err on the side of Kamara and CD. Yeah, I think we're consensus on that right now. Like Alvin Kamara is going to be a better play these next three weeks than Chuba. And, and if you don't have Chuba and you have Christian McCaffrey, like we don't know what's going on with that. So I want the healthy back, Kamara. So good call on that one, gentlemen. Hey, real um, quick, I just I thought this was funny. My brother literally two minutes ago texted me. Thoughts on using the first waiver priority on Chuba? <laughs> tell him to tell him to tune, him to tune in. in. I thought I thought I had told him that, but <laughs> guys, I want to round out to today um, talking a little bit about a discussion that we touched on last week. Scott, we had a question last week about which one of these um, early wide receiver ones could actually finish as a wide receiver one. Um, I believe in that discussion it was like Mike Williams, uh, Hollywood Brown, Sterling Shepard, maybe someone else as well. 
and you send Mike Williams, and it looks like that that delivered here in week three. Uh, he catches seven of his nine targets for uh, 122 uh, yards and two touchdowns, 33.3 PPR points for young Mike, Mike Williams uh, playing on the, you know, wanting an extension, wanting a new deal right now. It's a contract year for him. Huge to see this from him. Right now, he's a wide receiver, too, overall, only behind uh, Cooper Cup, as Scott mentioned earlier. Is this, right now, Mike Williams, his value could be at a ceiling. Um, If I have Mike Williams, I think I'm looking around for a deal. But, like, this amount of targets is insane right now. You know, it's it's been near double digits every single week. Keenan Allen is getting double coverage, it seems like, a lot here. And without Hunter Henry that's opening up a lot more targets to go around, it seems like. So, yes, Mike Williams might be one of my favorite th- things that's happening right now in this fan- in this young fantasy season. I'm not, I'm not looking to sell Mike Williams if I have him, and the reason being is, I mean, as of now, through three weeks, he's basically this year's Stephon Diggs as far as the value you got him at and where he is producing. And it's, I would rather just hang on to that value than try and move him for a different wide receiver one. And the thing is, too, we talked about Jamar Chase and how, you know, he's had some long touchdowns. With Mike Williams, it hasn't been fluky stuff. I mean, his role has basically just reversed from being a, a high A dot, yeah. you know, like deep threat guy to more of a possession guy. I mean, he's he's smashed his, like, so far this year. His targets per game has gone up like 87% from his career average, his targets per game. You know, after week one, some people thought, well, Eckler flukily only didn't get any targets that week. So maybe once that evens out, it'll, it'll take away from Mike Williams. Not the case. Um, you know, Eckler's had 15 targets since then, and Mike Williams has still been great. Keenan Allen's, you know, his his numbers have dipped just a smidge, but he had two 100-yard games. He had a touchdown last week. He hasn't been hurt by it. So I just I it, I see it as a very sustainable role for Mike Williams if he stays if he stays healthy. So so, so Scott, I have a question for you. What about CD Lamb? Someone offered you CD Lamb for Mike Williams. What would you do there? Oh man, I'd have to try and be as objective as possible because I have an unhealthy obsession with CD Lamb. That's so, why I brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a. I mean, that's. I think that's one I'd have to think on at least. A week ago, I would have said CD Lamb in a heartbeat, but you know, another week right. of, of Mike Williams getting the targets, getting the catches, getting the touchdowns, with Herbert slinging the ball. I mean, I just. I don't know. Um, I mean, I don't have an answer for that question either. I, that's why I wanted to pose it to see if maybe if you had something like your gut told you one thing or another. But I'm with you. I, I wouldn't know what to do with it. Yeah, yeah, which is which is crazy insane. from preseason and you know yeah. rankings before when we were drafting. But yeah. I saw a funny tweet by Josh Larkey. He said, you know, the, a fifth year breakout by a wide receiver who completely switched roles might have broken him as an analytics guy. I mean, it's definitely unprecedented what we're seeing, guys. I I had Mike Williams projected out for only 80 targets, and I really thought Josh Palmer was going to be more of a threat. I mean, the the beat reporters got me me really going for Josh Palmer in the preseason, Jalen Guyton even a little bit. I I thought we'd see more of those guys um, as as well as, you know, Parham and Jared Cook. But, I mean, it it really has been unprecedented right now. Like, I I had him projected for a little under – five targets per game and and you know like scott said he's more than doubling that right now it's insane i'm always someone who's kind of like it's hard for me to give up that new hotness like it's i i think for it's definitely hard but 
with Mike Williams, I've, I've played this game a little bit before as a fantasy manager. Um, I think it could be a great season, but I don't know about wide receiver one. Like, would you guys do like a DK Metcalf if you had to like give up like Mike Williams and maybe like a Michael Carter or something, you know, some, like another throw in? Yeah, I would probably, I mean, if I could throw in Carter to get, to get myself DK Metcalf, I would, I think I would do that. I, I understand where you're coming from. Um, but in a way, Mike Williams to me is almost, in a way, he is kind of a new hotness because I had just kind of forgotten about him. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, he's like going, he's, he's going to It is still, I mean, it's still early. Like you look, you look at the, you look at the stats for each team and the amount of receivers that have caught a ball so far is much shorter than it's going to be at the end of the season. So right. I mean, it's still early. I just, what I've seen from him and what, you know, what his role is, it's similar to DJ Moore. Like DJ Moore seems to finally be in the exact right role for himself. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I see for Mike Williams too. Um, but yeah, I mean, if somebody, if somebody, that would be, that would be a good example of, I think of a sell high if, if I could move Mike Williams and, and a piece for DK Metcalf. So you guys remember last year, Travis Fulgham was light, just lighting it up for about six or five or six games there. And he looked like he was going to be the next thing. And he just kind of fell out of nowhere. I'm not saying Mike Williams will do that. I don't, I don't know. I, I think I'm, I'm holding on him too. I, I like all these other receivers, but when the recency bias, whether it's real <laughs> and when you see it happening and you're winning games because you, you, you picked them up late in the you know ninth or 10th round, Mike Williams, it's tough to do, but you just never know what's going to happen. If something's going to switch on you. Do you yeah. go with a guy like Metcalf who's proven year after year here that he's the real deal? Yeah. My, my only difference there is Fulgham came out of absolutely nowhere as far as I know. Well, like um, Robbie yeah. Anderson too. Robbie Anderson last year, he was a guy start started the first couple of weeks super hot. Was a wide receiver one, I think, through the first month at least. Like that's another guy who people were a little afraid to to sell high on too. Yeah, I mean, but with Williams, I mean, he he came into the league as a seventh overall pick, so it's a right, little yeah. bit different, and he had all the potential in the world. So I mean, seeing it seeing it play out to me, it seems a little bit like I said, less fluky, less we'll call it less Fulgham like. Um, just because of that draft capital, that 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 potential, that skill set, for uh, sure, agree. But yeah, it's we're we're in that we're in that you know three games into a season where it's like we're really trying our hardest to figure out what's going to happen. We're not you know we're past the oh you can't say anything because it's just one week, but we're not quite to enough of a sample size to really dig in. So it's it's that time where you know you could you could make a trade like that and, and Williams could fall off and then you scored heavily or vice versa so or he's the next uh, the digs like you said and he has an MVP yeah. type season and you win the championship because you final got him later final thought just go around the room super quickly um where does Mike Williams finish this season if you had to predict right now wide receiver uh, as a wide receiver one as a wide receiver two or three I'm gonna say a wide receiver two. I'm going to say somewhere between that 15 to 24 range. I I just don't, uh, I'm not, I'm not there yet. Scott. You know, if I'm, if I'm answering that question, yeah, I would say realistically probably in that wide receiver two range, 15, 16 ish. Um, It was just last week. The the question was posed of this group. Who do you think would most likely finish as the one and amongst those choices, that's who I chose. But yeah, I mean, I think wide receiver two is well within, within his range. I mean, he's all, he's already put himself on that, on that plane. And yeah, Mike Williams, Cooper cup, Mike Williams being wide receiver one and two after three weeks. That's the 2021 season right there. Absolutely. Yeah. I, 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 I agree with, with both of you wide receiver, a little, you know, two range. 
you know, that's it's, it's realistic. You never know what's going to happen, but you know, um, Cooper cups done that before where he, where he was took you know, a great season. Then all of a sudden they started playing a lot of 12 personnel and they kind of got him out of the game plan. Now they don't have uh, Everett anymore as he's up in Seattle. So that won't happen. You know, won't happen to him now, but, but yeah, I like Williams as a, as a wide receiver too with right. upside, we like big upside for more, right? Yep. Awesome guys. Uh, let's go ahead and move into our next segment back in the day. Back in the day is presented today by underdog fantasy. Um, guys, if you haven't played underdog fantasy yet, I absolutely highly recommend it. We've been having a lot of fun over here in the Wolcock mess household, um, playing underdog, the, the pick and parlays, the three man drafts. It's all been a lot of fun to do. Um, and, and the cool thing about underdog is you don't have to be one of these DFS sharks to be great at it. Um, we have a couple of those at in between media. I'm certainly not one of them, but you know, doing these pick and parlays, having some bonuses intertwined with it, it's a lot of fun. Guys, if you do want to try out underdog fantasy, head over to underdog fantasy. Uh, you can grab them in the iTunes store, the Google Play Store, wherever you guys get your applications. Uh, when you do deposit, if you use our promo code IBT, they'll give you a $10 free match. So make sure you check them out, Underdog Fantasy. And guys, let's go ahead and head into back in the day. They make them like this way back in the day. Took a shot, couldn't miss way back in the day. Couldn't predict how it could all change. Don't you ever forget how far we came. have Gary Zamaripa here. Gary, you are a guy who has the most fancy football experience probably out of all of us, the most dynasty fancy football experience out of all of us. So I wanted to use the opportunity while you're here with us this week to talk about something we're seeing in the NFL, which we're definitely accustomed to seeing, but maybe we've forgotten a little bit that rookie quarterbacks do take a little while to develop. Sometimes that, you know, while they're developing, we can also see their offensive pieces around them struggle fantasy output wise. Um, you know, we, we have three of these issues right now in, in the NFL uh, Four, if you don't ca- count Zach Wilson, cause that's kind of just the jets problem in general. Um, <laughs> but uh, of course, Justin Fields mightily struggled here in his bears starting debut. Um, it, it was, it was just bad news all the way around for the bears did not move the ball much. Allen Robinson led the team with two receptions. Um, he struggled. Monty, uh, David Montgomery, the running back, also he had a, a season low as well. So for the Bears guys, you were looking for big games out of. They did not deliver here in week three. Fields was sacked eight, eight plus times here in his first start. Just you know, overwhelmed, just absolutely overwhelmed here this week. Uh, Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville, he's had his ups and downs too. Um, they looked like they had a shot here against Arizona, pulled the upset early after that. Uh, you know, long, long. Uh, Field goal, field goal return for a touchdown. That was awesome to see, but he struggled. Marvin Jones looks like the only reliable fantasy piece in that offense. James Robinson finally had a decent week here in week three, but Trevor Lawrence has not been what we thought he would maybe be to start out. Um, I know we have Nate somewhere down in Mexico 
screaming to the heavens that Urban Meyer needs canned after three games. And, that, you know, he's someone who invested heavily in LaVisca Chenault. He has not panned out so far. DJ Chark's been up and down that we've seen relying on touchdowns so far. Um, and then Mac Jones in New England. The whole, the whole offense is completely watered down right now. Um, no one out of Jacoby Myers for maybe a flex PPR play has really any any confidence being in your lineups. Gary, with all this being said, man, w- what insight can you give and w- what should our uh, fantasy managers out there tonight take away from the struggling QB play early here from these rookies? So first of all, I want to say that intro, I will never get tired of watching and listening to it. So uh, <laughs> good job to Shore or whoever made that. Um, so yeah, so I was looking at this today and I was trying to think back to when I first started playing and, and you know, we, I, I don't, we didn't play in super flex two quarterback leagues then. So a lot of these rookie quarterbacks would, they would just get drafted like for dynasty purposes and really not in redraft. Um, but I was looking at it today and the, almost all of the big even the ones that turned out to be studs later in their career, they struggled their rookie year. I mean, um, Peyton Manning's the first example of that. He he set the rookie record for interceptions with like 28 or something like that, and or 26. And um, the, the that Colts team went 0-4 before they won their first game, and they ended up going 3-13. and So if you can imagine kind of comparing that to what Lawrence is doing, you know, where he, he comes in as the number one overall pick, and everyone has all these high expectations, as they did with Peyton Manning. And then the Colts struggled that year. Just you don't remember because you, everyone remembers Peyton Manning as holding the Super Bowl trophy up. But, you know, the 3-13, and I mean, that had to have been crushing at the time if anyone who, um, you know, were trying to, play him for fantasy football or even as any kind of Colts fan. So um, long-term, I, you know, head up, heads up for, for Lawrence and some of these rookies that are going to need some time. As far as redraft, you probably shouldn't have been drafting him in a single quarterback league anyway. So, you know, you're good there. Uh, Superflex, Yeah. You've got to take a shot on some of these guys. Another one I found um, looking at is Troy Aikman, which is before I was playing fantasy football, but it's a relevant thing. He was the number one overall pick, I think, for the Cowboys, or at least a, a definitely high first round. And they, he was 0-11 as a starter. Wow. And um, he threw nine touchdowns and 18 interceptions. So everyone remembers him as the broadcaster now and, and the, the gold jacket Hall of Famer. But, I mean, when his rookie year, he, he looked awful. So that could apply to Mac Jones. That could apply to, you know, Justin Fields. I mean, any of these guys have a chance to to really step forward. The rookie year is the hardest. They're trying to learn. The game's fast. Um, another one that was a number one overall guy was that's doing well right now is Matt Stafford. He had 13 interceptions and 20 – or uh, 13 touchdowns and 20 interceptions his, his rookie year. Right. He had like 20-some, 2,300 yards or something like that and change. So he that wasn't – that's not super impressive, and he's turning in a pretty good – he's turning a pretty good career right um, so far and, you know, this year especially in the new offense. So so there's, there's cause for optimism when it comes to these rookie guys, you know, longer term. And then on the other side of the coin, you have guys like Matt Leinert, who were the number 10 over, uh, you know, number 10 pick of the first round. He had 2,500 yards, 11 touchdowns and is it 12 interceptions, his, his rookie year, which doesn't sound bad. Most of these guys seem to have about 2,400 yards, you know, and more interceptions and touchdowns, but he never went anywhere. And so that could be, you know, that he, you know, label him as a bust. Vince Young was another one who started out really good. He had about the same kind of stats, same year. I mean, they had that duel in the, was ever the orange bowl or whatever they, whatever right. they played when they were, right. 
you know, but he just didn't, he didn't pan out either. So it could be another kind of a thing where when he came into the league, that could be a Justin Fields type of, of comp, you know, where people are like, yeah, he's, we're going to draft him early. He's going to be the new guy. And then, you know, kind of just fades away. So, so that, so there's some pessimism when it comes to that as well. And then uh, another one I put down was Mark Sanchez. He was the number five, I think overall pick, and he was supposed to be the next guy and, you know, 2,400 yards, 12, TDs, 20 interceptions. So basically all these guys have about the same kind of stats and that could be a Zach uh, Wilson kind of comp, even just because they both kind of play with the jets too. But I mean, you know, like you just don't know, maybe that's what happens to Zach. He, you know, he's just, just never puts it together. Maybe he's the, the Matt Stafford. I mean, we don't, we don't know, but so through the years, it's just drafting a rookie quarterback is not a good idea. One. And if it's a super flex or something, yeah, take your shot dynasty. You never know what's going to happen. I did see that Cam Newton and Andrew Luck had in and, and Kyler Murray, because we were talking about Arizona, they had great rookie years. So it's not like it can't happen. It's just that the odds are against you from it happening. Yeah. Yeah. I've done some research in the past on the number one overall pick. I know Jameis Winston had a QB uh, 12 overall finish. Like the number one overall pick has generally, you know, has that opportunity. Joe Burrow played very valiantly in his time last season, but I, I, I think the big takeaways here. Gary, is that like you shouldn't be planning on anytime soon to start any of these rookie quarterbacks. Probably maybe shouldn't be rostering them in a single QB league. Um, I know a lot of people have been rostering Fields just on the bench, just what if, and maybe it's time to drop him. Uh, Trey Lance, too. I mean, definitely the rushing upside's there, too, but you need that bench spot. Gary, final thoughts, and I'd love to hear from Scott as well on this. What are we doing with, you know, in redraft right now with these fantasy football assets, David Montgomery, Allen Robinson, Marvin Jones, James Robinson, Nelson Aguilar. I mean, I know these are different tiered players, but these are all players, uh, Damian Harris, all all players that are affected by the quarterback play. Um, Because outside of David Montgomery, I'm, I'm really nervous for Allen Robinson moving forward. I'm, I'm really nervous for a guy like Nelson Aguilar, who I had high hopes for as a sleeper as well. Well, there's some talk that Matt Nagy was might have been part of the game planning issue, might have been part of the whole fiasco that happened with Fields, and maybe if they they get him on some more rollouts, or they kind of change. They, I guess they were trying to play the Andy Dalton offense, and it's like he's not, he wasn't. They're not comparable type players that he should kind of fit his offense around the 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 talent that he has. I mean, th- there's a chance there is upside. I'm I'm holding on to Robinson. I'm holding on to Montgomery. You know, they they both have enough upside for me. Um, early on, I mean, I was I'm a big Fields guy in general when he came in. So I thought that that was going to be the you know the boom part for for Allen. Like finally, we got Robinson a, a quarterback. You know, so I hate to judge him on just one week as far as like not. I mean, definitely don't want to sell low on Robinson because nobody's looking to acquire him, I don't think. And if they are, they're looking to to spend pennies on the dollar. Uh, James Robinson, I definitely will want to keep. He's on he's on the upswing. Yeah, I mean Harris, I don't know about him. I they said he's having problems protecting the you know yeah. pass protecting. So I I would cut bait on him. There's just there's just a lot that was a lot to think about there, Seth. <laughs> no, I I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean for me too, like. I'm not necessarily giving up. I mean, I completely agree. These quarterbacks should be no nowhere near your starting lineup in a one QB league. That being said, I'm not necessarily cutting bait on the skill position players around them yet. I mean, it's the same same point I brought up with Javante Williams. Like, there was expected growing pains with these rookie quarterbacks. And so while it looked atrocious 
and I actually started Justin Fields in a league like an idiot. But Cleveland is no slouch on defense. Cleveland's D-line yeah. is no slouch, and it, it was very apparent that they did not game plan around Justin Fields' skill set. So I'm not necessarily just assuming that's the way it's going to be. So somebody like Allen Robinson, if Fields figures it out enough, is somebody he could just pepper with targets. Somebody who, you know, somebody who can get open, somebody who can make contested catches. Um, so while I am worried, I agree it's one of those situations, I agree with Gary, where there's not much you can do about it right now. You know, I'm not trying to sell <laughs> Allen Robinson. Somebody like David Montgomery, Montgomery, I'm trying to buy right now. There could be a lot of panic on David Montgomery, and I think he's going to be just fine over the course of the season. James Robinson, I think, really let a lot let a lot of people breathe a sigh of relief this past weekend. He had a, he had a really good game. He looked really good. Um, jumped right back up into the top twenty-four. So I just I'm going to give it a little bit more time with these rookie quarterbacks as far as the position players around them. I mean, even Zach Wilson. I mean, Gary said it. It was has been atrocious. However. I can't think of a much worse slate for a rookie quarterback than going from New England against Bill Belichick, who notoriously kills rookie quarterbacks, the next week to mile high to play the Denver Broncos. So, I mean, that is also potentially not representative of how bad it's going to be for the New York Jets. Um, so, I, you know, there's cause for concern, but at the same time, there were a lot of people in the offseason saying, hey, redrafters, you know, rookie quarterbacks don't just all smash right away you know what i mean like it just doesn't happen that way we've gone fortunate the last couple of years guys like justin herbert burrow baker mayfield his rookie year um lamar towards the end of his rookie year josh allen same type of thing with that rushing upside jalen hurts towards the end of last year so i, I love what you guys said i don't think we need to spend any more time on it um I, I do want to move forward to short things sleepers of the week and this week it is once again presented by our friends at stevens quality barbering services if you're looking for a quality haircut, a quality conversation, just a quality experience overall at a quality price, if you live somewhere in the Clearfield County, Indiana County, Center County, uh, Jefferson County, McKean County area, guys here in Pennsylvania, make sure you stop in uh, to Stevens Quality Barbering Services. If you want to book an appointment, um, head over to stevens-quality.genbook.com to book an appointment. Get on Noah's schedule. Guys, I've been going six-plus years myself. Always a great time there. Uh, just went this last week. Noah hooked me up. So if you're wondering why I look so fresh today, um, I'm not doing anything different. Just still going back to the same old place, guys. So thank you, Noah, for the hookup. We appreciate it, man. We appreciate uh, your service over there. Um, keeping the, big, the, the good people of Pennsylvania looking sharp. Guys, let's head into some Sure Things Sleepers of the Week. It's the short thing. Sleepers of the week. If you're new to the show today, short thing sleepers of the week, what we try to do is we try to bring you guys some plays that a lot of people aren't talking about. Most of the time, these are people, uh, players outside of people's top 24s, top 36s even at times, and players that we think if you need to plug them into your lineup, they're going to provide serviceable fantasy points. Last week, the, the tide turned back in my favor. I, I said play Tim Patrick. He had a very valiant effort, 13 PPR points for him. Scott, you went with James White last week, man. I'm sorry, James White. The thought process was there, brother. I mean, sometimes – Can't predict injury. No, I know. I just – I hope he gets well soon. I like James White a lot. 
Absolutely. Guys, um, today we got some more short thing sleepers of the week. It's week four. Um, it's a kind of a decisive week for fantasy owners, to be honest. Um, I mean, you don't want to fall to 0-4. I've come back from 0-4, 0-5, and made the playoffs in, in some redrafts, but it is treacherous. So people need a win right now. Gary, start us out, man. Who's your sure thing sleeper of the week that can um, help our fellow fantasy managers out here in week four? So I, I went with Antonio Brown. Um, he was out with COVID last last week, um, but they're playing the Patriots. He's a former Patriot. Um, Tom Brady, obviously a former Patriot. They're talking about the revenge game. I mean, this is going to be the biggest game of the weekend as far as the the media is talking about it and all that. And and I can't see Tom Brady came off of kind of a subpar game for for at least what he's done this season. I mean, it was still pretty decent, but I'm thinking he, Brady's looking to go back in there and make a statement. And they're not running the ball that that great anyway in Tampa. And uh, Giovanni Bernard is is hurt now, and, and he was he was getting all the I don't know. I'm just seeing a lot of passing, and um, the top cornerbacks uh, are going to be on Godwin and Evans. So that you can't cover everybody there. And there's Gronk. I mean, there's just a lot of options, and and I'm hoping that uh, Antonio Brown, you know, as a flex or or a what the heck flex kind of a, a thing you know you can plug him in there if you're having some issues on on your starters or you have some injuries that you can get him in there and, and maybe get some good production out of him i love that gary and and it's even a little bit of a revenge game for uh for ab who who had that really short what was it was it a one game stint with the patriots um, it was back- that, i think it was just that one game he caught that touchdown and then the, he yeah. was he was suspended after that or something yep 2019 uh Love that, Gary. Scott, you got a short thing, Sleeper of the Week for us. I do, I do. Apparently I'm sticking with target monsters that play for the Patriots. So my short thing, Sleeper, is Jacoby Myers. Um, I know we just got done talking about rookie quarterbacks, but Jacoby Myers is by far Mac Jones' favorite target. He's averaging about 10 targets a game. Now this is more of a more of a kind of a higher floor play. I would say Antonio Brown's a pretty good like home run play, ceiling play. But Jacoby Myers, I mean, and again, I'll, I'll clarify, this is, this is PPR. Uh, I'm not really touching Jacoby Myers in a standard league, but they're playing Tampa Bay. Um, One thing going for Mac Jones in that case is it's in New England. It's not in Tampa Bay. And like I had already said, at least as of now, Tampa Bay is 32nd in the league uh, in allowing points to fantasy wide receivers. So I think this game is going to be a track meet. And I think Jacoby Myers could easily end up with 10 catches on the game if if it goes that way. Um, He's still looking for that elusive first touchdown. He still hasn't gotten it, but Again, like I said, this is kind of a floor play. If you want, you know, depending on your roster construction at a flex or a second flex, second flex position, um, I think Jacoby Myers has a has a very very safe floor this week. I like that, Scott. Yeah, uh, before the season started, at my home league draft, I actually made a bet with a friend that Nelson Aguilar has more fantasy points in PPR leagues uh, come the end of the season than Mr. Myers, and. Starting to rethink that a little bit. Um, <laughs> you guys know my, my ever-dying love for Mr. Aguilar, so we'll see how that plays out. But, Scott, I, I think Jacoby Myers, if you're going to fire someone up in this Patriots offense, why not him this week? Love the call. And, guys, for my short thing, Sleeper of the Week here, heading into Week 4, I want to bring up Nine Hines. Um, once again, Mr. Hines, every year, you know, just is undervalued. He was going mm-hmm. outside the top 40. In redrafts, um, he has more fantasy points on the season than JT right now. Jonathan Taylor, um, who costs many, many fantasy managers a uh, first or a second round pick. We know a couple things right now about the Colts. 
Carson Wentz is immobile, cannot run, needs to check the ball down. We know Marlon Mack is requesting a trade. He's probably going to be out of, out of there within the next couple of weeks um, to someone who wants him. He wants more playing time, not going to get it there with JT and Hines. We know he just got paid as well. And we know that the Dolphins, they just allowed uh, Peyton Barber to run like crazy on him. Like I've never seen Peyton Barber run like that, um, like we saw in week three. So, you know, the Bills the week before, the running backs there, Devin Singletary and Zach Moss were both over 10 fantasy points. We didn't expect to see that. Um, and in week one, you know, we, we, we saw James White come back to life a little bit here too. So I, I think there's a lot of value to be had here for the Colts. And I, I don't know about Jonathan Taylor. I'm a little shaky. Like I'm, I've been trying to get out of the Jonathan Taylor business. I haven't wanted to be in there all season. I think Naeem Hines is with Carson Wentz's current skill set. I think Hines is definitely a great play this week. Um, don't get me wrong. Like JT is definitely you're playing him if you have him. Um, but but I think Hines is the guy. We saw the touchdown last week. We know where they want to use him in and out of the red zone. So he definitely has a higher ceiling than people think. And worst case scenario, he's going to get you seven to eight PPR points. I, I I think at the very the very least. Yeah, I like that, Seth. I have him in one league, and and I'm definitely throwing him in my flex this week just to, you know, try to capitalize on what you just said the Carson Wentz immobility and checkdowns. Yeah, due due to some injury, he's one of the best running backs I have, and Scott Fishbowl. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited to have him there. He's I mean he's one of those players where. When you watch the game and you maybe take fantasy out of it for a second, when he gets the ball, he's just, he's a, I mean, he's not the, the biggest guy, but he's a tough, good runner, not just a pass catcher. He can run yeah. the ball too. So um, I like that. I think he, he's one of those guys in PPR leagues that I'm always just for some reason hesitant to play him just because he's not the bell cow, but for sure more often than more often than not in a, in a PPR league, you're going to be happy with it. Yeah, I, I have him Scott Fishbowl too as well, Scott, and I didn't play him last weekend. Uh, I had to. I had no option. <laughs> because I had to. It's bad. Well, you could have been like me and leave Dalton Schultz, Cole Beasley, and Nyan Hines all on your bench. So you got to do what you guys got to do sometimes. It's been a great show as far as fantasy discussion. I do want to round it out with some feel-good like style advice um, to move forward here into – um, the closing week or the first month of the fantasy season. Weekly. Weekly. All right, guys. So we often talk about here on the show that life's always full of curveballs and uh, the fantasy football community, definitely the industry just got hit by a big one here. Um, over the weekend, Mike Tagliere, um, lead fantasy football writer, analyst, and podcast host for Fantasy Pros, um, passed away um, after battle with COVID-19 um, on Friday. Mike was really just, you know, a pioneer in this industry for guys just like us, you know, people who have different day jobs who want to do this and want to break into it full time. Um, we, we definitely... We try to take the family aspect of fantasy football here. A lot of our significant others are involved with the site, and if they're not involved, they're big supporters of it. And uh, Mike's wife, Tabby, um, she's been a huge supporter of him since you know, the, the very early days of, of Mike's work. Just first of all, uh, condolences go out to 
the Taglier family, Tabby and her kids, and everyone who, who knew Mike, the Fancy Pros family over there, uh, Joe, Kyle Yates, everyone behind the scenes there as well. Guys, I just kind of want to go around the room. If you guys want to say a couple of words about, about, about tags and uh, just, you know, this sucks. It, it totally sucks. It was a breakthrough infection too. He was vaccinated, which is, you know, one of the worst parts of this all. Um, but, you know, th there are silver linings or lessons to be learned and takeaways to have. So um, just kind of want to open up to you guys. Uh, Gary, if you want to start us out here, man. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's it was heartbreaking. I mean, it, it didn't exactly come out of nowhere, but I think everyone assumed that everything was just going to be okay. You know, it's just going to be a little more time in the hospital and then he was going to get out and he was going to be out and, and it's going to just be as it was. And so that's what was a shocking thing for me. Um, I wrote an article on, it was on my last in-between media article. Then it was kind of about how many summers do you have left? And it was kind of started out as a, you know, when you start to get older, you know, you start you know, kind of like a whole bucket list. What do you want to do? Make the best of your time. And then I started thinking, well, you know, younger people have, there's different stages in everybody's life where there's how many summers do you have until the next stage of your life and things change. And what part of it that was kind of a little bit of a throw in, it was just that, you know, you don't know what life's going to throw at you and it could change everything. And that's why you don't know how many summers you have left because something like that happened to tags could happen to any of us and you just don't know. So it's, you know, kind of a live for the day, um, you know, treat every, you know, just like that, just the cliche, you know, treat every day like it's your last, you know, hug your relatives, you know, love, you know, your family and all of this other stuff. And that's kind of, you know, my thoughts on it. You just don't know. Seize, seize the, seize the day. Car, car, carpe diem. Carpe diem. Yeah. Robin Williams. Yeah. I mean, first of all, rest in peace to Mike Teglier. Um, it was a, it was a tough weekend. I remember when I first saw, cause I, I had been keeping up on, on Tabby's, tweets ever since she started, you know, letting us all know what was happening. And when I saw the update, I just, yeah, I just was breathless. Um, huge hit. I agree, Gary. I mean, you know, as a kid, you know, for a long time as a kid, I just had that, I'm invincible. Nothing bad's ever going to happen to me. And I just, that carries with you, I think, with certain situations. You're like, oh, it can't happen to me or it can't happen to that person. So it's, it's a devastating thing. Um, one one message that has come out of it and it's my kind of advice is to to really really appreciate and love what you have um and really try not to take that kind of thing for granted i think we all we all get busy with life and it's easy to focus on the things that you want or the things that you don't have it's really easy to focus on the things that are negative but you know just the other day i was i think i was just sitting with my daughter and she was reading and like, I might've been like, you know, a lot of times I'm, my, my mind might be elsewhere. I might not be fully present in this, but I just, I watched her read. I watched her facial expressions. I listened to what she was saying, focused on the fact that, you know, Hey, I created that. That's my daughter. Stuff like that. Just little things, just really try not to take it for granted because, you know, I can't imagine, you know, like Mike's a, you know, father and a husband, that's what I am. Um, and I just, yeah, I just, just, don't don't take what you have for granted. Um, try and try and try and take some time out to, regardless of what you want and what you might not have yet, and how frustrating that might be. You know, focus on what you have, uh, and 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 don't take that kind of thing for granted. 
And you know that memory you just shared about how you were watching her read and looking at her expressions? That may be something you think about when she's graduating from high school. Exactly. And you're taking it with yeah. you saying, wow, I, I, I was present in that moment and I, and I appreciated that moment. And then that could be something, you know, that just kind of a proud dad kind of a, of a thing. Just like, you know, I was there and now look where she is. So yeah, I 100% agree with what you yeah, said. Yeah, I mean, I, wrote, I also, I wrote a column that had to do with, you know, being in the now, being in the present. It's It just seems so impossible these days to really maintain that. Um, for me personally, at least, I'm, I'm all over the place all the time. So I try, I really try and just intentionally and almost in an exaggerated manner you know, just focus on what's going on around me. Guys, I appreciate that. Some really, really powerful stuff. Um, definitely something, you know, with me being a little bit younger than you guys, I'll definitely keep that in mind. I appreciate that. I hope our listeners and viewers do as well. Because um, I, I appreciate all the advice that you guys and Nate and Jen bestow on our audience here and everyone else here in between media and our audience as well. And I'll never take that for granted. Um, yes, we, we have a long way to go and we want to keep improving. Um, but I'm definitely thankful for right now. Um, you know, my final thoughts on, on Mike and there'll, there'll never be enough time, enough podcasts, enough columns dedicated to, towards what, what he's done. Um, if you guys do want to help, um, you can go over to uh, the GoFundMe, the Fantasy Pros um, put out for him. The fantasy community, once again, is rallying in a, in a great way for the Taglier family. But we need to help as much as we can. Even just you know putting out a tweet there or, or whatever, whatever, making a video, whatever it is, you know, I, I'm I'm sure they're getting a, a ton of messages, but sending something to the family, whatever it is, it goes a long way. Um, something that really struck me when I first you know came across Mike's content a few years ago was just like how real that guy was. Um, you know, talked a lot about his family, talked a lot about Tabby, talked a lot about his kids. Um, talk a lot about, about his Mustang that he's fixing up. And I always like love to get updates on his car, like like where was he with the car and you know, was it running? And and you know, that's something I, I, I've always tried to do here at In Between Media as we talk about our lives, what's going on. Cause I think, you know, at the end of the day, while we love fantasy football, we do love life. And we're gonna keep living it and you know, we're gonna be real with you guys, we're gonna be real with our audience. Um, we hope our audience is real with us as well. Um we're always here if, if you guys need to talk about this situation or anything. My DMs are open. I, I think I can say the same for Scott and Gary, everyone here at IBT. Um, Tags, we miss you. Um, thank you for everything you gave to this industry, pioneering it for, for guys you know, just like us. Um, you will be missed. Thoughts go out to you and your family. Guys, thank you so much for, for another great show of the In Between Fantasy Football Podcast. We're going to be back next week, breaking down week four. I'm sure it's going to, you know, be be filled with more curveballs because because that's what life is, guys. That's what fantasy football is. We're going to be here along the way, so we'll be back next week. Until then, keep it in between, guys. The in between fantasy football podcast. So one thing that you know really sets us apart here is is we're not afraid to talk about other things that maybe aren't super fantasy related.